Yesterday is history. Tomorrow is a mystery, but today is a gift. It is not our abilities that show what we truly are. It is our choices. Hello and welcome to Jen Taylor Rerouting, where being rude is never acceptable, but sarcasm is welcome and swearing isn't always a bad option. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to Jen Taylor Rerouting. Today, it's interesting. This is an interesting, fun interview uh, I'm excited about with Susan Ackerman. Susan, how are you? I'm good, Jen. Thank you. So the reason that this is interesting and fun is that we know each other, and it's so it's so unique now that we're uh, very social online. There's a lot of people I feel like I know online. I don't know them. I've never even met them, but we feel that connection. With you, I actually physically know you mm-hmm. because you're here in Reno with me, and but that doesn't mean... I know you. <laughs> so well, not that you know what I let you know. <laughs> I think okay. Let I mean we could just start there. We're all we're all victims of that. I remember um, somebody saying once, "Oh, I didn't even know you swore." And I'm like, "Well, you know me from work. That's one facet of my personality. My kids know their mom. That's one facet of my personality. None of them are a lie, but we choose which facets that we show to people. So today we're going to get a little bit past that. You are. I want to talk about what you do right now. You are the owner of Inspire Reno. Mm-hmm. I'm going to put a little plug in for you because it's very honest. Um, I don't join anything. I don't join anything because I don't like to spend money. And um, because I don't have a lot to spend, I have to be very picky about where I put my money. And I heard about you from two different sources in the same week. I, it might have even been the same day. And I'm like, how have I not heard of this before? And I contacted you that same day and you emailed me back and we set up a time to meet. And then I realized I I had done a podcast interview for someone who wrote a book and her book signing was that night at your place. So I actually ended up meeting you the night before our meeting. Mm -hmm. And I knew the moment I walked in and we started talking, I was mentally making notes of how much I'd be willing to pay a month to sign up because I it was already a foregone conclusion. So I just, um, that caveat is that, I will not spend money on anything. And if I do, I have to think about it for a week. And I made the decision on the spot and it was a a great decision. So Inspire Reno, tell me about Inspire Reno. Inspire Reno is this amazing women's entrepreneurial development center. But you know what, quite, quite honestly, I'm actually working on our branding because when I started this business six months ago. That's what we called it, a women's entrepreneurial development center. But Inspire Arena was so much more than that. It's kind of like a gathering place. It's, it's a hub. It's, it's a space for women to come and be supported and encouraged and empowered. And it doesn't matter if they're entrepreneurs thinking about being an entrepreneur, used to be an entrepreneur, or really have ever had no, no facet or interest of being an entrepreneur. But it's a place where women can come for personal and professional development. And it's just such a cool vibe here. I mean, it's just, it's just a great place. It's, it truly is like somebody had written on Facebook not too long ago, you walk in, as a, you walk in solo and you leave as part of a tribe. And oh, that's that so true. is kind of what Inspire Reno is. It's, that's so true, but also, I mean, you're right. The entrepreneurial center for learning, that's so true, but God, it's, it's so much more than that. It is. It's so hard to, with branding. I mean, we know, I know a good branding lady, you know, Bryn. Oh, I'm working with her right (laughs) now. I will. I have a call with her tomorrow. Yes. Interesting thing is that, um, you can, you can work for another company, but have something that you really specialize in, in that company. And the thing that comes to mind is a woman who does vocational rehab. Yeah. She has since started her own company, but she worked for a state agency for vocational rehab, predominantly adults with disabilities. And then you think, okay, well, how does that fit into what you do? And it, I don't know how it does, but it totally does. She can come and speak to us and we can learn things. And she's, you're gathering like the most comprehensive, enormous resource. Mm -hmm. Do you think? Yeah. If I need anything, the first person I think to ask is you. And that's so cool. And that's, that's, it's, it's just, it's morphed into something that, you know, I, I didn't even know that we were going to be. Because really, when we walked in six the way that we came about even acquiring Inspire Arena was just so 
kind of nebulous. It just, it just happened. And we just kind of called it a women's development center, but we had no idea what it would be. And it's, it's kind of morphing into its own. And that's I, and I, I don't think it will ever change. I mean, basically it's for women, it's for connecting, it it's is. for learning, it's for entrepreneurs, but you don't have to have all of those to be able to go and love it. So, um, and, and your, the connections, I mean, I remember before Inspire Reno. So for those of you in Reno, Reno that are women, it, it just, just sign up for the connections, even if you work for a company and for mm -hmm. education and for self-development and self-improvement and self-care. I mean, holy cow, it's just astounding to me how amazing it is. Um, but you have other people. So before Inspire Reno, I had gotten in touch with, I was looking for female entrepreneur groups in Reno, which I have to tell you is not the easiest thing to do. So anybody mm -hmm. in any city, I get it. I get that it's hard to find them. You look on Meetup, Alignable, Facebook, LinkedIn, and you start to kind of piece together these groups. And I had reached out to everyone that I could find. And I met every single one of them on your ribbon cutting. I think almost all, maybe all but one. Yeah. So I had no, reached out to like six groups. I met a person from every group at the ribbon. The first time I showed up at Inspire Reno. Mm -hmm. And so it's great to have a central location where you can put a face, the name, you know, Absolutely. So, and those relationships on their own did not really develop through email and contact and reaching out and trying to do coffee dates at all. Um, but through Inspire Reno, I think it's a different, I, I don't, I don't know what, what may, it's so hard to pinpoint. I don't know what makes it so unique that you end up connecting with people that you may have connected with before, but it's so different now that those connections are really lasting and different, unique. So it really you. is. So you, we did the ribbon cutting and I, you said six months, you've been in, in up and running for six months, but you, we did the ribbon cutting when, when was that? In April. In April. So you'd already been up and running for four months and I was there. So how many <laughs> awards at your ribbon cutting? It was the official ribbon cutting. So grand opening of Inspire Reno, four months in. Uh -huh. And how many chamber of commerce, just talk to me a little bit about, because I was like, holy cow, how has she done this? I know it was incredible. So the chamber obviously came out, they did a ribbon cutting and, and they um, awarded us with a chamber certificate. We also got a certificate of achievement from um, Senator Dean Heller's office. Um, you know, just kind of talking about our, our support of women in business in Reno. Um, we also received something from Catherine Masto. Yeah. Catherine Cortez Masto. That is her name. Yeah. Okay. So we also received an award from her, but I think our favorite, our favorite was the proclamation from the city and from mayor Hillary Sheevy, um, that she actually created April 13th to be inspire Reno day. And so that was like totally unexpected and totally cool. And you know, the day after our ribbon cutting, we were like 364 more days till, till, till inspire Reno day. <laughs> <laughs> it was so um i mean really, that was so cool it was amazing and for anyone that's starting a business the um you have to figure out like how to brand how to market how to gain traction in whatever your field of expertise is right and i i remember being there and been like she's open for four months and <laughs> like i need the formula <laughs> It's, you know what, it's just women are looking for someplace like this. And, and we didn't know, although I did know, you know, I walked into this yeah. building last October, right? And I was, I was totally here for a different reason, not to create this new, you know, entrepreneurial development group. Just, I was totally here for another reason. And when I walked in and I saw the room and I thought there's going to be tables and there's going to be women sitting at the tables and there's going to be a speaker at the fireplace and women are going to gather here and they're going to have pour themselves a cup of coffee and they're going to have a cup of tea and they're going going to connect and they're going to grow and they're going to support each other and it's just going to happen and organically it happened and it only it's i mean like the power of intention right because exactly. we put that intention out there and it actually came to us bigger and bolder than we even anticipated that it would and it only took three months from the first time you watched the building for a totally different reason until you were up and running and starting that vision, which is a short amount of time. Although I know that there was some struggle in that and getting like, how are you going to pay for it? Who's going to, 
what am I going to do with all the rooms? And it just, you're right. I, I've heard your story and it just organically happened. The offices were all full. It was done. Yeah, it really wasn't a struggle. It happened so easily. It really was easy. It was like we'd say to people, who wants to come and see this building and maybe take an office space? And they came in and they fell in love with it. And we had just amazing people coming in, like Dr. Eric, you know, came in and she said, oh, I have to be here. And then the next one would come in and be like, I have to be here. And the next one would come in and I have to be here. And before we knew it, the, the rooms were filled. And, and even funnier stories, we didn't sign, we didn't even find out that we were going to be able to rent this building until mid-December. It was December 15th when I got a phone call from the owner who said, I'm going to go with what your idea and I'm going to lease this building to you. And on December 20th, I met with all of the women who said they wanted office space. So we met at a coffee shop and we we're just kind of talking. We said, how about we do an open house? Um, even before we open, because we were the lease till January 1st. But the owner told us that if we wanted to have a gathering prior to, there was no furniture in here. It was a completely empty building, but she was totally open to, to opening the doors and letting us do something just to gauge the interest of community. And so on December 20th, we put together an open house for December 28th, three days after Christmas. We only had eight days to advertise. 80 people came walking through that door. 80 people. And that's when we knew there is an interest. Three days after Christmas, like you would think people would be away or people would be busy with family, but 80 people walked through that door. There was not a stitch of furniture except two Costco tables, one that held drinks and one that held appetizers. And it was completely empty and women came in and toured the building and heard what we were up to. And that night we signed on our first 20 members before we even had the keys to the building. Holy cow, I didn't know that part. It, I mean, and that's why the moment crazy. I walked in the door, I knew it was. I was gonna sign up. So we didn't need like not a stitch of furniture. They were like, sign us up. We want a part of this. Yeah. That's we how I want to be too. part of this. And they just signed right on the spot. Yeah, exactly. Um, so take now this all happened kind of as a surprise and organically and stuff, but where was your head? Let's go back. I want people cause they can't see us. Mm -hmm. um, where were you born? What year were you born? Um, so we have, we can kind of gauge and tell me about anything from when you were a little kid growing up that kept pointing you in this direction or the things that you had to get through that you, cause you have this incredible passion and enthusiasm to help other women. That came from somewhere. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I guess it did. And, and honestly, I've never really given it much thought. But I was born in Pennsylvania, northeastern Pennsylvania. It was considered the Pocono area um, of Pennsylvania. And I was born in 1964, so I'm 54. And I grew up in kind of this really small town. Um, and my childhood wasn't really awesome. It was kind of a really crappy childhood. I don't know why, um, but it was, I, my, my dad was an alcoholic. My mother was just uninvolved for some reason. And I can't tell you why my mother never liked me. It just, it's, it's seriously the case. I remember, I don't know if I was very much a daddy's girl. So I don't know if that was why she didn't like me. You know, because, you know, my dad was out drinking all the time and yet he was who I wanted when I, when he came home. And so maybe it was kind of an insecurity on her part. I don't know. Um, but I just, I just remember, um, just, it was never, it was never good. She just, I was, I was always bad. I was always spanked. I was always yelled at. I was always, you, why can't you be more like this person? Why can't you be more like that person? Why can't, it was never enough never enough. But you know what? It never bothered me. Like I imagine that it did as a child, but there was this, there was this piece about me that knew that that's totally okay. Like I knew that the way she treated me was not the right way. And even back then, I, I suppose that I would kind of think that I was kind of like, you know, poor people that get treated this way. I you know, like, it. I like it just, to me, it was never, it was never woe is me. It was like, I more felt bad for the others because I always felt strong enough to handle it. I totally get you. <laughs> I mean, it's the craziest thing. Like, how do you feel strong enough, you know? But I always had this huge faith. Yeah. 
And, and I had a huge, 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 huge faith. And when I would lay in bed at night, and even if I was kind of like crying myself to sleep, I would kind of pray um, to myself sleeping, you know, as I was falling asleep. And, and I always just had this peace knowing that, you know, like this is all for a reason and you're going to be, you know, you're going to use this someday. And this is, you're better than this. You're bigger than this. This, this is not, this is not what I have in store for you. I so 150% get that. That That's how I felt growing up. I didn't love it. I wanted to get out of it. I knew it wasn't right, but it's almost like this innate sense. Faith was always innate to me. It's just part of the fiber of your being, you know, and that it's not right, but it's, that's okay. I, I felt strong enough. I, yeah. I really did. I just, uh, for, I, I, and even now, I mean, I still look back and I think, I, I honestly feel bad for my mother. Right. Like, like she's still living. And I just think that she, gosh, she just missed out on so much on life. And, and I just, I, I really feel for her. Yeah. So what happened later? You obviously graduated. We're not in Pennsylvania anymore. This is not, not Pennsylvania. No, we're still in Pennsylvania for a while. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Um, well, I got, I got pregnant in my senior year of high school and, um, got married because the baby came and it was just, it was just the baby Mira. came. Funny how that happened. You get pregnant, yeah. the baby came. And uh, me and dad, we were kind of like, um, you know, on again, off again. But what was funny was it was just kind of like the baby was this, until she came, it wasn't real. Yeah. Right? Then she came. And then it was like, well, dang, okay, we have a baby. So then we got married um, and he went into the military. And so for the first seven years of our marriage, we traveled around um, in the military and and did the whole um, army thing. And that's what you did. We did. I mean, that's that's just, that was not a hun- really super uncommon back then. No, I think if I had not had a baby, nobody ever talked to me about going to college. Nobody ever would have brought okay. that up. And I hated school. I hated school. So I think that even if I, even if somebody had said, do you want to go to college? I would have never went because I'd have thought, who wants another day of school? I barely graduated high school. Um, I remember back in, in my senior year, I missed 55 days of high school because I would skip school every day. And they finally pulled me into the office and they said, if you miss one more day, you're not going to graduate. And I said, okay, fine. <laughs> and then they suspended me for three days for missing 55. I was on cloud nine. I was like, yes, three more days off. <laughs> and you gave them to me. This is like awesome. And I thought that was the stupidest thing they could have done. Like you, you, you get somebody in trouble for skipping days and then you give them three days off. <laughs> <laughs> it was going to bother me. <laughs> I- <laughs> I love it. it. So you joined the military and traveled around and how was the marriage? You guys were so young. Uh, We had, it was not a good marriage. We were so young. We were babies. And so I came from this place of having a really yucky childhood, right? Um, A mom that hit me every day. I mean, every single day of my life. If I wasn't getting hit, I was having my hair pulled. It didn't matter. I it was something. And he came from a family where his dad, um, where there was adultery in his family. And then there was also abuse in his family. So physical abuse with his father and his mother. So, so imagine you've got dysfunctional one meets dysfunctional two, and let's try to create a relationship. Yeah. It was dysfunctional. Yeah. <laughs> Was it abusive or was it just, a t- it, was. it was, okay. It was. So how long were you guys married and how did that eventually end? 24 years. Oh, you were. See, I did not see that coming. 24 years. So you had, and it was a daughter. I had, I, I gave birth to four daughters. Holy cow. I had no idea. Um, so 24 years and four kids later. Wow. Um, yeah, I mean, you stayed married. It was dysfunctional. Did you want to leave earlier? Did you think you see, I'm asking this because I think in our generation, we're kind of in the middle of the super alcoholic dysfunction and the super liberalism, but where you're kind of, you're supposed to stick it out because otherwise you're a failure or there's all this emotion attached to having a relationship end that I think is too bad because some of them really should. 
I wouldn't say that it was, um, you know, I grew up Catholic, but I don't say that it was Catholic guilt at all. There was none of them that we have to remain married. Um, I think that coming in from being 18 years old and immediately being a mom and being told my whole life that I'm, I'm not good enough. I'm, I'm not strong enough. I'm not worthy enough. I'm a nobody. Why can't I be more like this person? And then having a husband who says, you are nothing without me. You are a nobody. I own you. Okay. I don't think it was, I think it was more a fear of, could I make it on my own? If I went out, I was always a stay at home mom. So if I went out and I said, let's end this, where does that leave me? There goes the income. There goes the financial security that what, what does that leave? That's a scary space. So That's why I stayed. And it was, you know, it, it, it really, and I always knew that I would work with women, even in that point, right? Because again, I'm the strong one. Everything he does, it doesn't bother me, right? Like I can ignore his words. Although I will tell you that in an abusive relationship, for me, words are worse than the hitting. Oh, amen. I remember looking at my mother when I was little and saying, just hit me and get it over with. Oh, God. The words are the worst. The words are the worst. You can't prove it. You can't quantify it. There are no outward marks. I mean, emotional warfare would be the best thing we could do in a war. Don't shoot them. I mean, like that eliminates people, right? But emotional warfare, anyone who's been through any type of abuse, sexual, physical, and emotional, I think almost all of us would agree that emotional is the worst. It's the worst. It's the worst. You can't run from it. it. It's kind of this tape that now plays in your head. Yeah. You hear these things. You, you, you know, you, when you, when you live with someone who looks at you with such contempt, it is really hard to get past that. The bruises, the, the physical abuse lasts for minutes, right? Maybe 15 minutes. And then he storms out the house and, and you sit crying in a corner, right? That, but that ends, then you stop crying and you move along. But the emotional abuse, the verbal abuse, that is totally the worst. I said, I would rather have been hit every day than to, and because I dealt with that with my parents, right? So the hitting, it didn't bother me, honestly. I mean, yeah, it hurt, but it was kind of like, yeah, but then it'll go away. Oh, then you'll the leave me alone. Too. never did. The emotional never did. I think that emotional, was- do you think emotional abuse, it's also compound interest. It's not like the bruises fade and you start over again because physical abuse for me, in my mind, is almost like that. Well, like it's a, it's a redo of the same thing, but it doesn't compound interest. Emotional stuff, you're right. So they look at you. They give you a look. How do you go to court and say, he looks at me in a way, like you, you can't quantify it, but it keeps building and building and building, getting bigger. It adds to itself. Yeah. And physical never did for me. Yeah. Yeah. It was like another time. And I want to say that, you know, to some women and, you know, who, who are being physically abused, I mean, it, it's, it's really bad. And so, you know, I, I really, my heart goes out to them. I would say in the grand scheme of things, and I don't want to, don't want to excuse it at all. It was minor compared to what some people go through. I mean, I might've had a black eye. I might've had, you know, a, a swollen lip. I might have had a bruise around my neck, but it was never to the point that I was bloody and, and laying on a floor and in fear for your life physically. I was but, never in fear right. for my life. Right. I was in and, fear for my life. And there is nothing okay about physical. There is not. There is no. not. So I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to take away from it as I'm talking about. Like it wasn't a big deal for me. I mean, obviously it was, but it was the verbal to me was was harder for yeah. me. I get that. I get that. So. Yeah. 24 years. When was that? What year are we talking about that we're in? 1982 is when I got married. Oh God. Okay. Um, so you're talking. And, and about- I would say, I would say we were together 22 years. Um, it took two years for the divorce. So was the divorce like 2006? Am I doing my math right? Yeah. I think it was December of 2005. Okay. Yeah. Um, so how did you finally decide being strong and leaving are two different things. I'm a super strong personality leaving. You're right. Like there's logistics to that. There's kids, there's custody, there's finance. Like there's all these other pieces to the puzzle. How did you finally just walk away? Tell me. 
for me, it was easy. Um, it wasn't easy, but it was easy. It, it happened, um, and actually it's in my book. Um, it happened in October. Um, I remember, I, it, it's, so, it's so clear to me that um, my ex-husband was out changing the lights on our minivan. Um, both of them had gone out at the same time. I had two daughters that were very involved in cheerleading and I had to take them to games and to practice and I needed the lights changed um, because two lights out, you can't drive in, right? So, so he was out there and he, he always did everything to the cars. So he was changing the light bulbs, but he was really having a hard time. They weren't working right for him. So he was in the front lawn changing the light bulbs in the minivan. I was standing in the screen door watching him and he looked at me and because he was having a hard time with the bulbs and they just weren't going in the way he wanted them to. And he was really struggling and he was getting mad. And he looked at me and he said, you know, I fucking hate you. I mean, I really fucking hate you. And I just stood there and he said, I fucking hate every single thing about you. And so my first reaction is to go out the door and yell something back. Mm. Just as, just as bad. Yeah. Well, you know, I hate you too. Right? Like whatever it is, there was, there was, that was my first, that was always my go-to, right? Like I never walked away. I was very, combative. You know, if you're going to come at me, I'm going to come back at you. And as I went to open the screen door, my then, gosh, I would guess she would be about 12 year old daughter grabbed hold of my arm and said, oh, mom, don't even do it. It's not worth it. And I was like, no, I'm going to do no. She's like, mom, just, 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 just leave it alone. Just, just let it go. And I thought to myself, it was at that moment that this light bulb went off in my head that my kids think this is normal behavior. That my daughters think that her dad talking to me like that is okay and I should ignore it. So then it went into who the heck is she going to bring home? What kind of a relationship is she going to have? That when a man says to her, I fucking hate everything about you, she's going to be like, guess that's just the way he talks. It's the way my dad talked. It's the way everybody talks. And it was at that moment that I knew that I had to get my daughters out of there because I had to show them that it was not okay to be talked to like that. I totally had no interest in doing it for myself. It was totally for them because I was so fearful of what kind of a relationship are they going to allow if they think it is just normal. I think she also said something like, ah, it's just dad, just ignore it. And I'm thinking, no. No, this is not ignorable behavior. But you see, I didn't think enough of myself to, to stop it. But when I, when I thought, I mean, we do everything for our kids, right? I mean, yes. I, was totally, I was totally all about my kids, right? I'd wear the old clothes. They'd get the new clothes with the tags on them, right? And, uh, you know, the fancy clothes. The, we'd shop in the Gap because they had to have Gap because their friends had Gap. So they got Gap, right? Whatever it was. Yeah. Um, and so I just knew that they would bring, they would accept that in their own relationships. So it was at that point that I made a plan and, um, it took, it took, gosh, a year. It took a year, um, that I, I went out, I started applying for jobs, you know, some jobs that, that would be like a career. I started, I, I found a job. I started putting money in the bank. I started saving money. I started just kind of like just making, planning for the escape. And because he had such a volatile temper, when I finally did have the money and an apartment came, and that little house came up right next to the high school where the girls went. So I thought this will be perfect. Um, I, I signed immediately for the house. And I just, I got a U-Haul while he was at work. And me and my three daughters and my best friend, who was also another woman, picked up all the furniture, loaded the U-Haul while he was at work. We, we started packing because we couldn't pack before because he would have known. So we didn't start packing until that morning. And it's from seven in the morning until about three in the afternoon. We just kept loading the U-Haul with, with everything back to take back to, you know, our new house. And after we got it all out, I remember I went to his work. And I just went into his office and I said, can I talk to you for a minute? And he said, you know, like, yeah, what do you want? And I told him, me and the girls left today. 
how did that go? I mean, you'd think he was really, he was really quiet. He was just really quiet. It was a really surreal and powerful moment. He was just super quiet and he almost like had a tear or two coming out of his eyes. And I said, we just can't do this. I said, you know, like we're, we're miserable together and and it really sucks because we have these three daughters and you know, that's awesome, but we're, we're miserable together. And I said, I just think it's going to be better for the best of us, for the both of us. And, and he got up and we hugged and we cried a little bit and um, we swore, we, we promised ourselves that we would always work together for the girls. How did that work out for you? Amazingly. Oh God, we, that's great. We did so much better apart than we ever did together. That's fantastic. I mean, you know, we were 18 years old. There was definitely love there, right? I mean, it, it was it was a dysfunctional love, but but there was love there. We we kind of figured it out on our own. There were good times and there were bad times. And we we had to figure it out. And sometimes we only had each other. And it's just neither one of us knew how to be a married couple. So we just sucked at it. <laughs> it really that's really a shame that you know there shouldn't there's there's certain books i don't think should be written parenting marriage just because every person in every situation and everyone's expectations and background and personality are so different there's no one and done there's no recipe that works but the fact that instead we have like a lot of well this was you were you're talking way before the internet and stuff too we had oh, yeah. a library there people have so much information now it's almost overloaded in the other direction, but how can someone tell you what to do? And if you don't know, and you don't even know that it's that bad or wrong, or even if you do, but you don't know what's right, it's such a weird middle ground gray area to be in. And it sucks. Mm -hmm. You're right. It sucks. So take me from 2006 and now January, 2018 is when Reno opened. So Take me through that whole time period. Well, you know, um, because I had daughters, you know, I just, and, and because I had the domestic violence and because I had the abusive childhood, I just, I just always had this heart for women, right? And women who were going through it, it might not be as strong as I am, right? So I always wanted to just kind of, that. it was just always my heart. Um, so I, I went off and I, I spent time, you know, with just the girls and worked and, and felt so empowered. It was like so cool to live my own life. Like that was like the neatest thing. Like here I am, I'm independent and guess what? I'm doing it. And, and I'm, I'm paying my rent and I'm paying my bills and I buy a new car and, and it's like, wow, you know, like I believed my ex, when he said, you'll be nothing without me and dang, I'm something, right? Like I'm, I'm making this work. And um, went to it. Went to um, this this ministry for for a while. That was for single, divorced, and widowed people to really kind of find yourself after the loss of your identity, after the loss of a relationship, after the loss of a life you knew. And I really started to find myself in there, and just loved it. There was a lot of facilitating, a lot of small groups, a lot of. It was kind of called wounded healers. Like it was yeah. wounded people helping wounded people. And it just was such a fit for me, such a fit. It was like I kind of found my, my true calling. So um, in the process of all of that, I, I met and started dating one of the, another person from the ministry who I ended up marrying. Um, so I got into a second marriage. And that comes with its whole own set of, of its whole own set of problems. Um, but Kind of through that and getting married, um, I went back to school. And so I went because I had no interest in college when I graduated high school, right? So then I wanted to go to college. I was kind of getting into my own and I could see like, you know, I'm pretty smart. I could so do this. And then my daughters were in college and I'm like, I want to do what they're doing. <laughs> I want to learn. I want to do. So I went into Chatham University in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And um, I remember going to a career class. It was kind of like an elective that you could take like a gym class and, and, and who, I didn't want to take a gym class. So I took this elective, like a career class. And um, one of the things they said is, so Susan, what do you want a degree in? And I said, I don't know. <laughs> All I know is I want, I'm going to be in an auditorium or on a stage and all these women are going to come to see me talk. 
and I'm going to share something with them, whether it's my story, whether it's something inspirational, whether it's something motivational, whether I've written a book and they've come to hear about my book. I don't know, but I'm going to be on this stage and all I'm going to be there for is to encourage, motivate, and inspire women. So what degree do I need to make that happen? <laughs> That's what I said to them. And they were like, um, gee, I have no idea. Okay. So I was majoring in psychology and writing and I was minoring in women's studies. Um, Cause I kind of thought the psychology as far as groups, you know, and therapy type groups and the writing, cause I've always wanted to write a book and the women's studies just because I had such a passion for women and knew I wanted to work with them. Um, so that's kind of where I went during the, but then the 2009, 2008 economy hit and my husband owned a remodeling business. So of course that totally fell apart. So I was kind of looking to bring in some extra money because we were really struggling. Um, and so I found direct sales and I went to a premier designs jewelry party and, um, I came home and I said to my husband, that's a really cool company. Like they're, they're really about women and empowering women. And, and it's, it's a really cool, um, Christian based company. And I just really liked it. And he's like, Oh, you should do it. And I said, I'm going to school. No, thank you. <laughs> and, and then he went to work the next day and he, he researched the company and he came home and he's like, you know, I was researching that company. They're really good. And I was like, not interested. And then he came home a third day. And he's like, I listened to this, some, some, some video things online. And I was like, if you like it so much, why don't you do it? You don't have a job. <laughs> and, and so finally I said to him, all right, I'll tell you what. I'll apply for the credit card. If I get approved, I'll do it. But I didn't think we'd be approved because he'd been out of work for six months. We'd gone behind on so many things. I thought there ain't no way they're going to give us money because we, we haven't been paying our bills for the last six months because all of his income just stopped. Dang, if we didn't get approved. I was totally like, seriously? I was like almost disappointed. Like, what? <laughs> we did? So, so we got approved and um, I just started doing this direct sales business and I found that darn it, I was really good at it. And um, in my first year, I was one of the top 25 salespeople in the whole company. You know, out of like, out of 35,000 jewelers, I was in the top 25. I'm like, how does this happen? I don't even like jewelry. Like, like, I don't understand. But what I did like was the women. I loved the women to go and stand in somebody's house and just hang out with them and show them a couple tricks that the jewelry does. Mostly it was about the women. I couldn't care less if they bought a thing. And that is why I was successful because there was never any pressure. When I was done showing them what some of the jewelry could do, I would kind of just go and chat with this one and chat with this one and chat with this one. And pretty soon they'd all be bringing me receipts with their orders written on them. And I would total them up and I would just check them out and then I would go home. And before I, and then and I was just, and then everybody would say, can I have a show? Can I have a show? I want you to come to my house. Can I have a show? I never do these kinds of things, but I doubt I want to have a show. And before you knew it, I was doing like 15 shows a month while going to school while, um, but, but it was, it was so good because it just fit in my schedule. You know, it was two, three hours a night. And you were good at it, clearly. And I was, and I had fun. It was like this fun thing. And then I started building a team of jewelers, women who said, I want to do what you do. And so then that was fun because I'd invite them over to my house and we'd have dessert night and pizza night and trainings and, and so much fun as I tried to teach them to what I did, but I had no, I had no blueprint of what I did because it was just natural. Like there is no secret. It's you were like just connecting and having fun. I was just a connector. Right. And so I'm very, I, I can connect right for, because I'm just genuine. And so I can connect with people. And so I did that for a few years. Um, gosh, I did it for nine years. Actually, I just started my 10th year. Um, so yeah, a long time. And what, what struggles I ran into with that was that so many times women would give up. So this was the team part of it, right? So I would see the team part and, and women who'd say, I can't be like you, Susan. I don't have your personality. I'm not like you. I can't talk like you. And I started to hear the, I'm not, I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not worthy enough. I'm not extroverted enough. I'm not, I'm not introverted enough. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. And that was such a struggle for me because I could see their potential. You don't need to be me to be successful. You need to be you. 
and, and I really started understanding that everybody has gifts and everybody has talents and they're not all the same, but we all bring something different to the table. And that doesn't mean that any one of us is any less successful than another if you focus on your gifts. And so I ended up going back to coaching school. Okay, so I, you did you stop your psychology degree in that nine-year process? No, I finished that before oh I moved to California. So you finished your, did you get your bachelor's in psych and women's? And um, writing. Okay. And, and then a minor in women's studies. Wow. Um, so you did, you kept going to school and you finished that. Okay. So now here we are. I loved it. Oh gosh, I loved it so much. Yeah. Going to school. I loved it so much. So you had school that you loved and a degree that you were working on that was as close to the right fit as it could be <laughs> with what you asked for. And then, then I was doing premier design. So I never okay. went out and looked for a job. I, I was, I was making enough money doing what I was doing in the direct sales. Um, and then, so what ended up happening, how I got out West yes. is in 2010, I think it was, um, 2011, 2010, 2011, I got a phone call from somebody who had seen my premier designs catalog. Now how they in California, now how I'm in Pennsylvania. I mean, we couldn't be much further apart. Right. And they saw my catalog and they wanted more information. And I said, okay. And they were interested in being coming a part of my team. So I thought, well, how cool is this? I could branch out past Pennsylvania. I could like be like across the country. Right. So I said, she, I said, where do you live? And she said, um, Fair Oaks, California. And I said, okay. I said, I have a best friend who moved out there. I have no idea where she's living. Let me find out. Well, it came to pass that she lives in Rockland, which is only about 10 minutes away. Well, it's oh. with, with traffic, probably about 20, but it's like in the same community, right? It's the Sacramento suburbs. So I'm like, holy cow. So, okay. So I fly out to stay with my friend. And I meet this lady and she decides she wants to be a part of my team. And I completely fall in love with the Sacramento area. I am like palm trees and sunshine and this is fabulous and no humidity. Oh, it was, it was like paradise. I agree. <laughs> and I call my husband and I said, I think we're supposed to live here. And he says, uh-huh. Okay, so I go back home and then I have to come back out to train Roberta and do her training kickoff show. And so I'm coming out a month later. So a month later, I fly back out. I go apartment sh shopping. I sign for an apartment. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm like, okay. no, we really, we really are supposed to live here. <laughs> so, so I go home and I, I show my husband the lease. We have a lease. <laughs> He's like, well, he, he, his company was gone, right? So right. there was nothing keeping him there anymore. I was like, no, we're going. And he's like, okay. And two months later, we packed up the wagons. And, um, and it was so funny because we didn't know how we were going to pay to move. And I just, again, it was kind of like, that. no, we're moving. And that August, I had a $10,000 month in Premier. And what's funny about Premier is you get paid 50%. So I made $5,000 that month. And that was the money we moved across the country on, put down, you know, paid for the first month's rent. We didn't know where rent month number two was going to come from. It didn't matter. We had enough money to pay for everything to travel across the country. It was just totally meant to be. And go ahead. Now, this is 2011. Where yeah. are all the kids at this point? Well, my youngest is in college. My, my youngest and my middle are in college. My oldest um, has her own. My, my oldest has bought a house. Okay. She's already, she already has a house. Um, and so my middle, my youngest no longer wanted to come home. Like she totally had gotten herself an apartment by her college. And she just, it was like, she was no longer dorming. She was living so it's normal stuff. They've gotten older. They've moved out. They're all good. Correct. You kept your team in Pennsylvania, right? You didn't have to live in Pennsylvania to keep your premier jewelry team. Correct. Okay. So you move out here and you're starting a new team in a new state. Yeah. Okay. I just wanted to make sure I was bridging the gap in my brain. Okay. 
and within six months, within six months, I was right back to where I was in my old business. I was still doing, you know, eight to 10 shows a month, you know, in this whole new place, um, building a new team. Um, yeah, just, just, it was like my business just took off where it left off. It just, I was able to, it took about six months for me to really kind of build, but then I did. And then it was just, it was rolling right along again. What's going on in the marriage? I mean, it sounds like you have a husband that's supportive. Mm-hmm. At that point, yeah. Um, he, he had his own struggles because he had lost his company and that really affected him a lot. Um, so he was kind of a little withdrawn and I would kind of say a little depressed. And the whole stepmother thing, the whole blended families was a little difficult. Um, even though all of the daughters were older, we, so between the two of us, we have um, five kids. And so there was, there was a lot of um, animosity with the kids and my kids didn't necessarily like him. His kids didn't necessarily like me, but we kind of took off to California and looked at it as a new beginning. You know, all of our kids were grown. So it was kind of like a cool thing. That's a very cool thing. I, I thought that that was probably the timeline, but I just want to make sure because that's, it's hard to uproot and you have X's and all of that stuff. So that's awesome. So now we're 2011 and here we are 2018. So in that seven years from starting Inspire Reno to then, what did that look like to you? You have this new team just as strong. You're in Sacramento. Did you love Sacramento as much as you thought you were going to? Oh, I love Sacramento. And then my husband finally found a job. He struggled a lot in the beginning. In the very beginning, he found what he had to do was so humbling. He was like, he was at one of those, the only work he could find was one of those places where you show up in the morning and if they could take you, they do. Yes. There's a lot of that out here. That wasn't common in the East Coast that I remember. Not common in the East Coast at all. It was so humbling that he would go to work at six in the morning and hope to be picked to go on the job for that day for very little money right? Like in $12 an hour. So this was a man who was owned his own company, right? Who totally was, was, you know, created his own income, you know, paid himself. Yeah. And, and now he's hoping and begging for a job. And so that was really a humbling experience for him. Um, but then he, when he finished that, he found another job and it was a good job. And he worked with it for about three years in Sacramento. And then they offered him a raise and a promotion to run. They were going to expand into Sparks, Nevada. So they offered him the position to run the Sparks, Nevada um, office. Okay. So that's, the that's how we moved here. Okay. And my, and my first thought was he moved me to Antarctica. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I, it's I, so relative. He, it was in December that we moved and when we came up over Donner Summit, it was like 12 degrees. Now I have been living very happily in Sacramento for three years and I had no interest in going back to anything snowy, icy, frigid, and cold. And here we are in the frigid cold. And I was like, seriously, you brought me to Antarctica. Like, <laughs> like I hate you. Because <laughs> right? this is not where I want to be. And it took me a good year before I started to be fond of Reno. On the other hand, though, my business, my Premier Designs business took off immediately. Because the lady that we um, were renting a house from, we came up, we found the house. She said, Susan, I'll throw, she was a Mary Kay director. And so she said, you know, I'll throw you a party before I leave, before I, I move and before you take over the house. And so I drove up in November, we moved in December, and she had about 10 women at her house and eight of them booked a show for me in January. <laughs> so you start a new group in Reno that takes off before you even move here. I mean, it is a little ridiculous. Honestly, <laughs> Premier Designs was like, the it, it just was like always doing that for me, right? Like, so I totally moved here and I had eight shows in January. We moved December 13th. I had eight shows in January. My entire business took off. I was actually busier in Reno than I was in Sacramento. And I still had a successful business there. I, I think I added like 20 more people to my team here. I mean, it was just crazy. 
But in the meantime, then I also went to coaching school. So this was, this has to be like the beginning of 2014. Am I right? Uh-huh. Okay. Um, so beginning of 2014, new team. What made you decide to go um, to coaching school? I mean, I get it. It's a direct correlation. I was a psych major too. I didn't finish, but like for the things that we are kind of drawn to do with helping women, you either get some sort of psych or um, degree or communications. I was a psych and communications major mm -hmm. with journalism. And so Coaching didn't exist really back then the way it does now. So mm -hmm. it's a natural segue, but what was, what did you want to accomplish? You haven't even used your degree at this point, have you? I, no, not really. I, I wanted, I wanted a toolbox for the I'm not, the I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm uh. not good enough. I'm not tall enough. I'm not young enough. I'm not old enough. I'm not extroverted enough. I couldn't, I, I, it really was a struggle for me. And even, even having the psych degree, that, that, that did not help me to, to, to deal with that. I mean, I could sit there and say to them, of course you are, but that wasn't it, right? They, they didn't believe it. It didn't, I could believe it till the sun came home, but they couldn't, till the sun went down, but they couldn't believe it. So I wanted a toolbox. I wanted a toolbox and, and it was through coaching that, you know, I kind of started to, you know, get tools and, and, and verbiage for, you know, those limited beliefs, right? Yes. And those voices that are inside their head. And so that's kind of why I went to coaching school, but then I came out and I totally thought I would only use it with Premier, but then I felt so limited and I was like, why? There's women everywhere who have these limited beliefs. Like, that's not enough. Like, I want, I want to work with all women. I don't want to just work with premier women. Like, why would, I, why would I cut myself down to that? Like, and it's not even about money for me. It's just totally like, I just want to sit with women who have those beliefs and say, why? Well, you it know, didn't have so to be much. with money for you, right? Because you were making great money just doing your business. Yeah, you were doing this just because you wanted to help the women that felt limited, not because you needed to make more money. Your money no. was okay. Yeah, yeah, that, that was fine. Yeah. yeah. So no, I think when it comes from that altruistic place, it's even better. I mean, money does need to be attached to a lot of things, and it should be, but it shouldn't be your primary motivation. Right. And so, and so I found that I was doing that from home. I was doing premiere. I was doing coaching. Um, and then my husband's daughter came out to Nevada. She moved out here because she was pregnant and um, she wasn't married and she was really struggling and the dad didn't want to be involved. And so we invited her to come out and stay with us. And the baby was born um, about three days after she got here. Oh my gosh. Yeah, she was five weeks early, but I think that long drive across the United States just about, <laughs> just, I, I think the baby was like, I need out. And, and so I actually kind of took off a year and babysat my grandbaby. Oh, love her so much. And, um, and so then after the year, I, I was going stir crazy. I totally understand these moms who say I need adult conversation. Because, you know, I'm, I'm used to being out there doing all these premiere shows. And I, now all I'm doing is, oh, goo goo gaga, -go, right? It's <laughs> like, oh, my gosh. And um, so, so I decided, I, I told her mom that she needed to get a babysitter. Um, this was when the baby was about 14 months old. So I watched her for the first 14 months of her life. And, and I mean, when I say we watched her, I mean, we had a nursery upstairs for her. There were some days she spent three and four nights at our house. Like, because her mom um, worked, it was a manager in retail and would work 12 hour days and then get up the night and we'd say, why even pick her up? You know, just go home and sleep. And, and baby, basically we had joint custody with mom. Yeah. Right. Like we, we, that baby lived with us. We had every single thing in the house that we, we were like a nursery, you know, it was pink chandelier and everything. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but at 14 months, I said, okay, I, I kept her for her first year. You know, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta find somebody. I, I gotta get out. I gotta get, first of all, I gotta make money because I'm hardly making any money. I'm only making, you know, from my team. And the way that the set up, the way that the, the, the business works is that if I'm not working, I don't get from my team, right? There's, there's an assert, like there, there's leadership responsibilities. 
And if I'm not, if I'm not pulling in my leadership responsibilities, then I shouldn't be sitting there making money. And I totally agreed with that. So there were many months that I wasn't making money. So it totally took our income down. And I said, I got to get out with people. I got to make money. And so the baby went to a babysitter and it was a real struggle for me for those. This was probably in March until October. Um, being motivated to work, <laughs> you know, working from home by myself. I was totally out of that because I was with the baby that I was totally distracted by television. Okay. I was distracted by laundry. I was distracted by cleaning. I had a hard time building my business back up because I just was so distracted by everything else going on in the house. Yeah. I found an excuse not to work. I could find any excuse not to go into my home office and work. And that's when I was invited to come look at an office space in Inspire Reno. Holy cow. And thought, I've got to get out of my office. I'm just going to go look at this. I don't even know how I'd pay rent in an office, but I, I need to get out. So I'm going to go look at this one available office space in this old building in the in historical Reno, and maybe um, I could get into an office and it would bring back my motivation. And I walked in. <laughs> that's, that's funny to me. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, it got back your motivation. And instead of taking that office space, I took the whole building. Yeah, that's crazy. It became yeah. something so different definitely help with your <laughs> motivation so i want to quickly talk about you mentioned the book you were in so tell me about that the book that i'm in is a collaboration book it's called um oh my gosh i've lost the name um <laughs> isn't it crazy you just, yes. just just brain farted. I've seen it like on your shelf, but I don't remember the name of it either. I like the collaboration idea because you have several people inputting and you're splitting the cost between them and someone yeah. else does the marketing. And so I never heard of this idea until it was the same week. The week that I met you was the week I met a friend of ours, Craig Nielsen. Yes. Who I've also interviewed. And he's in the same book. He's in the same book. Right. So I heard about the book and you all at the same time. And I'd never heard about collaboration books before that. Yes, it's called Launch, Let Your Setbacks Propel You Forward. And so it basically is stories about people who have had setbacks, but use them to launch to their potential. And then that led you um, to doing a book project yourself, correct? Yes, yeah, yeah. So I know that that's... There's a lot that's in the work. It's not available. There's no book yet. It's, it's It will be available August 29th. Of 2018. Uh-huh. Um, and you have all the writers. I do. All of that's done. Okay. So that's exciting because then there's a new project. And what's that one? This, this one was Setbacks to Launch. What's the one that you were working on now? Reno Rising. Oh, that's right. I can't believe I forgot. I totally spacex called reno rising um and it's about people it is a story of women and again this goes right all the way back to you could take it as far back as my childhood right that we have women who um, women all across the united states but right now i'm focusing with with just reno um women who have let circumstances in their life determine who they are, determine where they're going, determining how hard they will reach. So whether it goes back to a mother or a father who told them they wouldn't be anybody and they let those, those voices keep them trapped, right? Or whether it's someone who was an abusive marriage or whether it's somebody who's experienced a loss. It is women who have experienced things, things that could have taken them out of the game. But instead, they used these things to rise up. And the, and the purpose of this book, and it's actually going to be part of the Rising Across America series, because Reno is only the first city. Um, Reno is just the start of this project. We want women to rise up from their circumstances. We want women to read this book. And this book is written by every woman. 
And what I, what I mean when I say that is we want every woman to read this book and recognize themselves in it, whether it's with a circumstance, whether it's with an emotion, whether it's with a feeling, whether, we want them to see themselves in these stories and to realize that they're not alone. Because so many times when we're feeling these things, when we're feeling desolate, when we're feeling depressed, when we're feeling like we wanna end our lives, when we're feeling like hopeless, when we're feeling that there is just no chance of moving up, we think we're the only ones. We think we're alone. And what this book is meant to do is to let women know that they aren't alone, that there's other women out there who have not only experienced it, they felt it. They've, they know exactly what you're going through because they've been through it too. But instead, we want them to link arm in arm with us. They want, we want them to rise up with us. Even if they don't have the strength or the faith in themselves to do it right now, they can borrow ours. We just want them to link link arm in arm with us and rise up into their greatness, whatever that is. And it's, it's not so about, different. We want it to be not about their circumstances, but about taking those circumstances and not allowing them to control their lives. And that's what we're doing. And so it's not just a book, it's a movement. We really want to see women rise across America rise out of those circumstances, rise out of those voices that are in their head that are saying they're not good enough, they're not smart enough, they're not worthy enough, they, they could never be like we could be, they could never, they, we, we don't want them to look at us and say we can't be like them. The stories are raw, they're emotional, they're um, honest, and it's just really women sharing their heart and, and their journey into some very difficult places. But as a way to let those other women know that they're not alone. They're, they're never going to be alone. I love it. I'm so excited for it. I was sad that I didn't get on board fast enough. I didn't hear fast enough. Oh. <laughs> I would have been all over it. It's all right. You also had, you inspire Reno, the building was also part of a short film, a movie. It was, it was. So, hashtag, hashtag no more. Um, it was a story of one girl's um, journey from the hashtag me too movement to the hashtag no more. And again, it's, it's all about empowering women. And, and, you know, it's, it's funny, Jen, because when you said at the beginning, we're going to kind of go back and, and I can see how all of this weaved through, right? Like from that little girl who just was told she was never good enough, never smart enough, never you know, why can't you be more like your cousin? Why can't you be more like your neighbor? Why can't you be more? Why can't you be more? And to that, you know, abusive marriage, to the, to the, you know, stepping in to, to be a beacon to those people that have also been through it or who are going through it. Right. And, and wanting to even go to coaching school so that I could help the women with the I'm nots. Isn't it funny how it's such a reflect, direct reflection? It goes, it goes all the way back. Yeah. Absolutely. And there's no accidents. Oh, I don't think so either. And I do understand though. I mean, I think we've talked about this a little bit as a woman and an entrepreneur finding what you've been through and what your strengths are and what that's going to look like as far as how you can pay it forward or give it back or take mm -hmm. the, like in my book, I use the expression, dude, this is what I built in my toolbox. And I think we're building our toolbox and we don't even realize it until we go back and really look until we go back and thank the people that have made a positive difference in our lives. Cause those are pivotal. Those are strong moments. And then to turn around and bring it forward. I mean, this was such a happy accident, right? Inspirina was such a happy accident. Such a happy accident. But you and were, I don't believe in accidents. You weren't. All right. I, exactly. <laughs> and my point is, <laughs> I just think you have to, I mean, we're in places at times and it's not the right place at the right time, but we're presented with information or situations and we have to decide if that's the direction we want to go. And part of it is being open enough to it. And you were sledgehammer opened enough to it <laughs> back in you know, October. But, but if you look back at my life, I've always been open, right? Like signing the lease in California and saying, we're going. Like I'm, I'm never, I, I just jump in. I, I just, I'm, I'm not a person that holds back and thinks too much on it. I just jump in because really, what's the worst that can happen? 
I mean, bankruptcy, not making money, you know, I mean, I think that that's a thing that people talk about a lot. I've heard a lot of stories of people like their, their coaches, right? And it's this 30 year old guy, for example, there's a lot of male coaches. Well, at 24, I was living on a blow up mattress in my friend's house. Dude, you don't have a relationship. You don't have a kid. You don't have any responsibility outside of yourself. Now, I know that that was a super stressful, tough situation that you lived through. But as a woman who's a little bit older, who may be single, who has kids, who needs to pay the electric, electric bill every single month and feed their kids and buy them clothes at Gap, <laughs> you know, that whole, we do have to figure out, we can't just 100% go on a wing and a prayer. You And you've done that in a way that I think a lot of us are very intimidated by and that's one mm -hmm. of your strengths and I appreciate that um, because a lot of the times we're trying to do this while we're doing everything working a full-time job parenting our kids all of that stuff and god it's it's still tough don't minimize just it's just happens to be that your strength set is different than my strength set for example sure. and you capitalize on it and it has become a beautiful thing so you have um Facebook page, Inspire Reno. We do. And, and you have a website that's been getting tweaked. It's inspirereno.co. Yes. So if somebody looks at it today and there's something wrong, just know it's a little glitchy. Reach out on the Facebook page. Just make sure it's there. It's just not there. A hundred percent. And and watch for and watch for this movement to start um, in August because it's really going to be it's really going to be a huge um, opportunity. We really want to just give women the opportunity to have a tribe, right? Like a, a positive where you know that was that was another reason we did the Reno Rising series, the Rezo Rising book, is because I I've seen so much in my world of women tearing each other down. And it really saddens me, right? Because we, women are so powerful. And I'm not saying men aren't powerful. Men are powerful in their own way. Women are also very powerful. And if we could work together instead of against each other, we could change the world. Change the world. That is a perfect place to end. Amen. Yeah. Thank you for being here and all of your information contact will be in the show notes. So thank you so much. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you so much for listening in to Jen Taylor rerouting like share. And of course, comment. I welcome input with attitude. Get a copy of my book on Amazon. Hello, my name is Warrior Princess. Or check out my website, jentaylor.net. And if you still want more, sign up for one of my coaching packages.